This is the TC3 Podcast, and I'm back again with another episode for our listeners, the people. Um, got a Gator guest on today. Um, he's a beat writer for Sports Illustrated, uh, Gator Sports Illustrated, uh, Zach Goodell. Um, he has really great insight on the program, and we're going to talk some spring ball, uh, junior day recruiting, and also the things to keep an eye on uh, with this spring. Hopefully, if we even even have <clears throat> excuse me, a spring ball with this whole virus situation going on, but we'll definitely talk about that and the impact that has had um so let's go ahead and get started with it all right so i have zach on from gators sports illustrated man how you doing i'm doing good uh you know it's troubling times with this illness going around and i can say that i've got a bad case of allergies so don't mistake me sneezing and stuff for the coronavirus uh whatever you do i'm sure we're going to talk a good bit about that but uh don't don't be afraid for me now. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy with this whole virus going on, man. With so much like the NBA got suspended last. Well, this podcast is coming out Friday, so the NBA got suspended. When was it? Wednesday. Yeah, late Wednesday. Yeah. So now with March Madness, Rudy Gobert, man, come on now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> March Madness being canceled today, which is Thursday. Um, the College World Series being canceled. All like NCAA spring slash winter tournaments are canceled. Um, the, ML- the MLS uh, Major League Soccer has been canceled. MLB, NHL, all of that's been canceled right now. So it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's insane. It's something that we've truly never seen anything like it. Honestly, I mean, we don't know how to cover it. It's it's a unique situation. It's an unfortunate one. Um, Especially for all the student athletes out there that may or may not have a chance to ever play again at this point, like you, your heart breaks for those guys. Yeah, for sure. How, how do you think that works out? Do you think they'll get like another year of eligibility, or you think that's just not going to happen? Uh, it's. I think it's going to be too early to know. For places like the SEC and stuff, and they typically are decent at bending rules like that. I think that we'll see that. Uh, schools like the Ivy League that are typically really strict on stuff like that, it could be totally different. Uh, for now, I honestly couldn't tell you. Yeah, man, it's going to be a weird scenario that they have to figure out for sure. Um, but let's go ahead and get started yeah, with this uh, episode. So, a junior day recap, man. Um, you follow uh, Gator Repeating with um, Sports Illustrated Gators, man. Tell me about the overall feel of the past weekend. So I'm still, you know, I've been a day-to-day before my whole life. I'm still learning the basics of covering recruiting, but this is my first junior day that I got to go out and truly cover the team. And you can tell that there's a really good feeling around the building when events like this go on. That guys that show up genuinely want to be there visiting and seem to truly enjoy their visits and get a lot out of them. Uh, it's more than just recruitment. There's a to do about ball. Uh, they're, they're fit with Tomorrow, Will Coxon's come out and said that it's beyond recruiting talk at this point with Florida, uh, despite that he will take visits elsewhere. So that was kind of the feeling everyone we talked to. There wasn't anyone that you thought didn't enjoy themselves or didn't learn something from their visit, which you figure is a pretty important aspect. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, man. I saw a lot of good, positive, like, you know, like quotes from like people coming out, like a lot of the kids, like Leonard Taylor. Um, it seemed like 
he wanted to commit on the spot. Uh, a couple other kids that like you know like Savion Collins, I think that's the name from also the uh, Palmetto area that yeah. he was trying to convince his like sound like he's trying to convince his mom to give him to go ahead to go ahead and commit to Florida. Um, and also mm-hmm. like uh, Jason Marshall, yeah. the DB out of uh, Palmetto as well. Like it looks like we're going to do a real good good uh, good situation with the Palmetto kids. So. Um, uh, what's what's so? Tell me about the Tim Brewster effect, man. I saw your article on Sports Illustrated Gators, man. So, how much of an impact has he had so far? Uh. Well, it's it's you know it's obviously it's just two tight ends going in a class, much less this early in the class for them to have two tight ends uh, committed at this point. Just to show you the work that he's put in. These two guys, uh, Nick Elksis and Gage Wilcox, have a very good relationship. They wanted to play together. Uh, Old do a bit of recruiting there at the end after he committed. Um, but you can see, like, Brewster's already proving that he's exactly what we thought he was going to be, a guy that can get talent quickly, clues, and he can move on. And now he's going to have the opportunity to go and keep working regionally. Uh, his position should be looking good for a while now with two commits in this class. One the year before, one the year before that, and so on. Uh-huh. So he can go and help. I mean, he's helping down in the uh, throughout the Florida area. He's going to be doing a lot with the IMG kids. Uh, Rick Palmetto, a ton of Gator talent there. There's good feelings coming out of these programs. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I, I mean, I love the Tim Brewster uh, hire, man. Um, I think he's going to be just as a decent coach, but a better recruiter. Um, and we saw what he did with North Carolina last year. I mean, he helped bring in Sam Howell and a couple other prospects they had come in. So, I mean... And also, he has Florida ties. I mean, we remember him at Florida State, like, killing on the trail, killing us. I mean, he stole Dalvin Cook from us, Ermon Lane, and a few others. Um, so, yeah, man, I think having him aboard is going to be very impactful, especially with this 2021 class because there's a lot of talent in the state of Florida. And we, as, you know, Gator fans and following the team, we've seen, like, plenty, plenty of talent leave the state of Florida to go, like, to Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, um, Clemson. Uh, shoot, even like Michigan. So um, it's great to have uh, an ace recruiter like Tim Brewster so we can keep some of this in-state talent, you know, in the state. Exactly. And that's what Florida's been missing for a while. They put together a really, really great on-the-field staff with a couple of good recruiters, but they haven't had a Tim Brewster. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Turner's one of the closest they could get. Uh, Christian Robinson has been very good for a young coach, too. But they haven't had a killer. Uh, for a lack of a better term, uh, out on the trail like Brewster, a guy that is just notoriously good at what he does. And he's definitely proving his worth early, but I feel like it's just getting started. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, I mean, I know you say you're just getting on to this recruiting thing. Um, I've been kind of like being, as a fan, just following recruiting, like, you know, since like the 20, I think like, shoot, I think 15 class, but... Um, overall, like, uh, what are some some names to keep an eye on that you can see that be possible commits uh, in the near future? Well, a guy that's visited some has been Desmond Watson. Uh, he's a guy that's come to Florida loads of times. Uh, just that that's a name that naturally I'm keeping an eye on with as many times as he's been around the staff. Um, Marcus Burke, Trinity Christian receiver out of Jacksonville, is a guy that uh, locked in Florida as his leader um, when we were there at junior day. Uh, that'll be another name to keep an eye on uh, as they keep looking to add receivers to this class. You know that they're going to want to add a ton of firepower there. Uh, 
And then, let's see, Libra C.A. Carroll, uh, the running back from IMC mm-hmm. Academy. And my mind's going a little slow again with my allergies and everything, so <laughs> that's that's what's slowing me down here. But he, he named Florida their, uh, his leader uh, directly telling SI that last night, or Wednesday night, I should say. So that, that'll that be one to keep an eye on. He's trying to commit on August 6th, uh, on his mom. He's doing all SEC visits, but as of right now, Florida's the leader there. Yeah, man, I like all those names you named, uh, especially the Watson kid out of um, Armwood. Um, I've heard some great things about how he looks physically. Um, I say he's like a like he's he's built big. I mean, he looks like he's very light on his feet when you watch the film. I mean, like he looks like a space eater that we know we need that is going to be you know able to join the already packed defensive line class we had from this previous twenty twenty class. So um, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited for those names and also Banks. Um, from Jacksonville, I think he's a, a low key recruit that's not getting enough notice, and also the running back. But speaking of running backs, um, uh, this whole Zach Evans thing. I mean, we already talked about the coronavirus and how it's affecting uh, a lot of things going on right now, but it's also affecting um late spring uh visitors. I mean, late spring uh, yeah visitation. So, uh, is there any news on how the Zach Evans things, Zach Evans like situation is going to plan out, or is it just like he just canceled it? Uh, there's no news that at least I know of coming out of Zach Evans' camp other than naturally these are going to be any type of as he was planning on taking, like coming to Florida on March 20th, won't occur until later notice. Uh, I'm not exactly sure because his, his recruitment's been all over the place of when he's supposed to have a decision in by. Mm-hmm. So for all we know, this could have a drastic, or, uh, a really a drastic turn on it, but at the same point, he knows which two schools at this point in his recruitment are the ones. He'll do his best to try and, I'm sure, find a way to get to Florida to check it out before he makes any type of decision, whether it's coming for a visit uh, with the staff or not. Um, it's a time, the clock is ticking. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is for sure. Um, so how do you overall do you how do you feel about his recruitment right now do you think he kind of he sticks or he i mean not sticks but do you think he chooses florida like the way he's been training lately or do you think he bounces tennessee or somewhere else i truthfully couldn't give you the answer uh just with how unpredictable he's been at this point um i think the appeal of florida compared to the appeal of tennessee at this point for a guy like him to give florida the edge um especially with the way the depth chart is looking with the running back, the lack of a running back home in the 2020 class so far, the fact that he was looking at schools of Florida's caliber at this point, or, or slightly above, I guess, in Georgia. Uh, you know, he's looking at schools like that. So, you know, I would figure Florida's got the edge there. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way, man. Um, but it's been like overall, like as a Gator fan, just watching how things are transpiring right now and the recruiting is very refreshing to see because we haven't seen this much, like, you know, um, great things this early in spring because we've seen like previous years, like, oh, like we're leading for some people, but they end up like, you know, choosing others. But I feel like a lot of these kids that we do lead for, I think they can be, you know, a definite, like, you know, addition to this class. So that's good to see. Yeah, I think that's been one of the most important things for me. It is not only getting his recruits onto the field, but every year you're going to start seeing drafts, like, slowly, year by year, you're going to see improvements. 
to the point where it is going to start being normal where the top in-state talent is ending up in Florida. It was just, it was going to be a transition progress, uh, process mm-hmm. uh, that some people thought was going to end up being faster than it actually typically would take. But I think this is the year where you clearly start to see things changing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So let's go ahead and get into this uh, Dan Mullen presser, man. Um, Dan Mullen spoke with the media, I want to say Wednesday early Wednesday afternoon, and um, I see your guy, uh, Demetrius, that's his name, um, that writes for you guys right now? Yeah. Yeah, I read his article, and he had some yeah. uh, some great uh, takeaways, and I just want to like kind of like just, just to not copy what he said, but just kind of go over what he was talking about, and also for you, because you kind of had the same thing, but um, my first thing is, like, we could talk about, uh, is it, since, since Nick Savage has been a part of the uh, Florida Gator program, we've seen like a massive uh change and like the physique like the, the physique of a lot of these players man but this year it seems like it's like it just keeps getting better and better like you know with the players like Jacob Copeland um like uh Keon Zipper so like you know like how much of a like a like um a good you know trainer or you know uh scout well what's he, what's he do I'm I'm having a brain fart right now um uh, uh strength and conditioning yeah strength and conditioning so how 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 great how really great is he Oh, he's one of the top strength and conditioning coaches in the country, uh, without a doubt in my mind. Uh, you know, they say that, especially in college, your team can only be as good as your strength and conditioning coaches. These guys are going through the biggest body transformations of their life right around this age at this point anyway. Uh, and it's certainly way better to have a good one uh, like Nick Savage, because you see like injuries in comparison to the McElwain era, uh, you know, when the training wasn't as good, you know, they've gone down. They really hasn't had major massive injuries really take a toll on the team while Dan Mullen's been here, uh, other than Felipe Franks. But honestly, like, what kind of toll did that take on the team with, you know, the talent that Mullen's been developing? Mm-hmm. But yeah. you haven't seen those major, major injuries taking over. And that's what a guy like Savage can do. And then you can also take guys that are your projects in a class, like Ethan White, for example, last year. You know, take someone like that that you see the talent but needs a body transformation, and a year later, look at what we're talking about. We're talking about the dude who was the lowest rated dude in the class, weighing 400 plus pounds, coming in down to 330, looking like a totally different human being, and is arguably going to fight to start this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, the transformation for Ethan White itself is just like, like you said, self-explanatory, like how much of a change uh, Dan Mullen has been with the strength and, di- strength and conditioning. Because I remember when I was like reading like on stuff about like when McElwain was here, like I heard the guy they had in place, like their strength and conditioning coach at the time, like I heard he wasn't doing nothing for it. Like I heard a lot of those players were having to work out at, at the local like Gainesville gym. Like, they weren't strict on, like, you know, what they were doing, like, you know, to take care of their bodies. And it would just, and you saw it on the field, like, they just got pushed around a lot and they ended up having a lot of injuries. Yeah. And this, I mean, I can only speak from what I hear and stuff because at that point I wasn't covering the games. But I can say that, you know, this is certainly not the first time that I've heard something like that regarding previous coaches uh, here in Florida. So, you can you can tell like the tra- the change that uh, Nick Savage alone has had on the program has been instrumental. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, let's talk about the depth of the team, man. It seems like, like I said, like in previous years, we haven't had the depth 
on at certain positions. But I feel like overall, like this year and this football team right now, we have a lot of depth. Uh, offensive line, defensive line. Uh, we have pass pass rushers for days. Linebackers, DBs when we're healthy. Um, like, what's where is like the um, like you know where could death be a challenge though on this team, if any. I think it's going to be running back just from the dead in 2020, and it also, but that also depends on Lorenzo Lingard. What happens there? Mm-hmm. Uh, Malik Davis, does he ever get back to form? Uh, I certainly have my doubts after a year like last year, but maybe you know, with more playing time and more time dedicated to it after being healthy for a full season, he finally finds his footing. Mm-hmm. Maybe a guy like Naquan Wright does break out, but at the end of the day, I'd say running back is probably the position of concern. Uh, safety as well. However, I'm a fan of the two signings in this past class. Neither of them were Monte Williams, obviously. Like that guy is, that guy is a game changer for a secondary once you add him back there. But mm-hmm. I still like. I mean, Rashad Torrance, I think, has a, such a high floor. He's just such a sound technical safety prospect that he's honestly a guy that I think could compete for playing time year one. Um, and we know that these were positions to struggle last year, so it makes sense why these would be uh, positions where depth could be a concern. Um, but all in all, they still need, should have, they should like what they have at the position in terms of talent. It just might not be as good as the numbers as they might uh, want them to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I feel the exact same way. I think his safety can be pretty interesting, especially with uh, Trey Dean supposedly moving back there. Um, that could spark up, like, you know, some, some you know, competition. And also the running back. We all kind of know who running back one is in Damian Pierce. But like you said, like, what, how's the depth looking? Because we don't know if uh, Ling- Linger will get the, like, you know, eligibility to play this year. So we'll see. Um, uh, how do you... Yeah, exactly. So, so it, uh, It'll definitely be an interesting process to watch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what was the overall, like, you know, feel... How, on how Dan Mullen, like, you know, uh, feels about, like, the QB competition right now. Because from what it sounds like, it sounds like there is going to be a competition. Like, he's not going to name Kyle Trash a starter until, like, you know, he feels is right. So how you feel about the QB competition this year? So I think there needs to be a real balance found between it because it can go extreme in both in both ways. There's... The one fan that'll tell you it's a legit competition, Emory Jones has just as much of a chance to start as Kyle Trask. And based on Dan Mullen's words, like, yeah, that that is true. At the same time, like, Dan knows what he's got in these guys, and he knows that they're going to improve. But it, it is tough to look at Kyle Trask and see what he did last year and say you deserve less reps. And Dan knows that. Um, the coaching staff knows that. So I think what their best, I think it'll still end up being is that Trask wins the job. We'll see more utilization of Jones, and it goes from there. I, I, I think that spring is going to be vital as long as they have spring practices uh, in determining how they can expand the role of Emory Jones. Because I don't think that Trask is the type of quarterback to lose his position in spring camp. I think that if Trask were to lose his gig at any time, it would have come in gameplay, uh, struggles during gameplay would come during the season. But during the, I think during spring, he'll still look good enough to maintain his role, but we'll certainly see enough from Emory to where he'll demand more snaps at the same time. 
Yeah, man, yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, like, I'm going to go ahead and get into this, like, later when we talk about the spring ball, if we even have a spring ball. But um, I personally think that Emory just gives us a better chance to be successful due to his mobility. I mean, we saw what happened in this previous college football uh, championship run and also throughout the country. Like, you have a mobile quarterback, you can do a lot more damage on offense. But uh, that's just how I feel about it, you know. Oh, no, I, uh, I totally, I mean, you know, I, I've got to see neutral, obviously, because I understand both sides of this. Like, I understand, I get both sides of it. Like, Kyle Trask, what he did last year, you know, it was still top two production out of an SEC quarterback. And that it's warranting of, you know, a starting role, but you absolutely nail it. The, the offense is different when Emory Jones is on the field. The offense is a Dan Mullen offense when Emory Jones is on the field. He, he he does love to use the dual threat quarterback. It can totally change the dynamic of an offense. So it's a predicament. It, it's a tough decision that they're going to be forced to make because one way or another, they're going to have talent on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So let's go ahead and get into the spring ball, man, um, and practicing. Uh, so practice as of right now begins March 16th, correct? Yes. Yeah, on Monday. Okay, so March sixteenth, um, and like I said, so far, like no one's got any word of it not being canceled. So, um, like, uh, how do you think they're going to approach spring practice uh, uh, with like this whole thing going on? It's like this, this virus. You think they kind of like take it full on or kind of slow play it at first? I have a feeling it'll be slow paid. Uh, this is not based on any information I have because as of now, like uh, like we said, it's still supposed to go on. We'll see if that holds true. I would think it'll end up getting canceled. I think everything everywhere is going to end up getting canceled or postponed at some point. I mean, I think we saw Notre Dame or a school up north in that region ended up canceling its spring game today. Uh, I think, I think State. loads of schools will start to follow suit. Uh, Florida, it, it might take a little bit because it's SEC country and it's down here, so it might be a bit different. But I think it'll get to a point where maybe they'll set it for a little bit and it doesn't run that long. But if it were to go on, I'm sure it'll be very limited access, uh, very limited availability uh, for the protection of the student athletes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about it real quick. I mean, like, what's the route receiver? room looking like. I mean, we know we have in Trayvon Grimes. Hopefully he can be more impactful this year, especially with a lot of those seniors leaving. And also the um the uh, the the joystick himself, uh Kadarius Tony. And also, you know, Kyle Pitts with his highlight his, with his uh, playmaking ability. But outside of those three, what do we have at receiver, man? Well, I think the most important thing for Jacob Copeland that can turn him into a high potential guy into a you know, a high contributing guy is limiting his drops. Uh, because when he was on the field last year, he showed a ton of improvement as a route runner. He just seemed to be a natural in doing it. But on a low target count, he did drop a decent amount of passes. I believe he was at like five or so, according to pre, uh, pro football focus, on um, 20 or 30 some targets. So, yeah, it was the highest percentage of drops on the team. Um, so it's something he's going to have to work on. But in terms of, you know, growing as a possession receiver, just a twitchy guy that can get open, I think he has a legitimate chance of breaking out in 2020. Uh, he's got huge shoes to fill. 
but I think he's the type of athlete that can do it. Uh, as for other guys, uh, you mentioned it, you know, Trayvon, Joystick, uh, stuff like that, and Kadarius Tony. Uh, if Jordan Ponce can get eligible, even though he wasn't as high of an upside guy and didn't emerge too much in Texas, I think his skill set actually really fits what Kyle Trask does well as a possession guy that can get open uh, with short field burst uh, on the short route, on the easy West Coast stuff. Uh, and he's a veteran, uh, older guy in the room at this point. I think as long as, you know, in practice, where he'll still be able to practice even without eligibility, we should at least start to see a bit of a spark between Trask and Pouncey. And perhaps if he can get eligible, that translates to the season. That's kind of a dark horse for me. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, how do you feel about uh, Justin Shorter? Do you think he can get uh, eligibility this year? Uh, it, it's tough. It's tricky. I mean, you figure, hopefully, that they can get this eligibility stuff figured out once and all. So, there's consistency, as Dan has said himself. Uh, so, I really couldn't tell you if he would or would, but I think if so, and they can get, you know, Everything, his head right with the playbook, everything like that, get him into the shape that they want him at. He can be an immediate level producer or high-level producer as well. Uh, we've seen the talent. We've seen it in flashes. Um, Florida's the type of place where people seem to get it together pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. I think that Shorter is going to be one of the guys that really succeeds from that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, but um, what about those 2019 receivers, like your Jamarcus Weston, I mean, I, I mean, you. I don't, I don't know if he follows recruit, recruiting, but a lot of people are high on him. Also, Deontay Marks, he had a big senior high school season, and also uh, the dark horse and Trent Whitmore. They say he's been, you know, looking like a baller in practice. We all saw his three sixty dunk, so we know he has the athleticism. So, how are those three uh, working out right now? Yeah. So, from my tape observations, when I went back and studied that side of class when I first joined the beat. Um, I really liked the speed that you could see from Marks on film. Uh, you wanted to see him become more of a, you know, a balanced route runner and start to understand the concepts, but you couldn't, you know, the speed was evident. Uh, and that's why he ended up at Florida. Weston, uh, you know, he's got, he can move well for a player of his size, but I think that he's still a lot really rough around the edges in terms of technique. Um, as a route runner, uh, as for feeling his routes, growing his route tree. Uh, so he was going to truly need the year of development, but, you know, the size and speed threshold that he has uh, is something that obviously catches the eyes of everyone. And honestly, at this point, like, I think Trent Whitmore is the guy that could end up breaking out. You know, the, the, a coach's son who played four positions in high school, uh, a guy that understands the importance of route running and sharpness and breaks. He's big enough. He's got solid athleticism. It's nothing special, but it's solid. And with his size, you know, it could make him a, a guy that you can trust to come down with the ball. He might not ever be the most explosive guy in your offense, but with, you know, the extensive football history he's got, uh, the ability to learn on the fly, it's just his processing and everything like that. I think there's a guy that could end up being one of, of a, the one of several solid receivers in Florida's rotation this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can be the kind, the old reliable type of receiver. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Mark's. Uh, it's weird. Like, I guess his Twitter has been kind of all over the place over the past couple of days. So it's a situation that obviously, I guess, we can all monitor. Um, 
but Marks is the type of dude that is just, I mean, you want to get his speed onto the field. Mm-hmm. So if it's not, if it's not Whittemore as the dark horse, it's Marks because you got to get that speed on the field. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I've seen him. The dude can fly. And also, like, we talked about with the whole, like, savage transformation. He's definitely put on the the weight to be, like, a, a, a caliber SEC receiver for sure. Yeah, and he said a growth spurt. Uh, when he was being recruited, he was 5'11", and Florida's got him at 6'2", now. Oh, 6'2". That's, that's good. That's really good. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if that speed translated. Yeah, then then you're talking. Oh, shoot. I didn't know that. That's, that's great insight, man. But um, <laughs> transitioning to the uh, the defensive side of the ball, we kind of already talked about the running backs and the quarterbacks and the offensive line. But defensively, um, how are those edge rushers going to turn out, man? I mean, the, uh, another thing about Dan, Dan Mullins Presser, he was speaking very highly on Brenton Cox, the transfer, the five-star transfer from Georgia, man. So how much of an impact do you think he can have this year? I think he can have a great impact. The question is, where will it come from? Um, you know, he profiles well as a buck. So does Mohamed Diabate. So does Chris Bogle. So does Jeremiah Moon. So does Anton Powell. So does Derek Wingo, if you really want him to. Like, you can you can get creative with all of these guys. So the question is, how do you use them all? And at this point, Cox is far and away the biggest guy that you got with the most room to grow as well. Uh, out of that group, and you only have one strong uh, side defensive end that's really worth anything on the roster in Zachary Carter at this point. So if I was Florida, I'd be doing my best to cross-train Cox, Mm -hmm. let him play buck some, let him also learn strong side defensive end and form a rotation, Uh, especially when Carter moves inside like Zuniga uh, would do when he was healthy, Uh, three technique, uh, the four eye stuff like that, where you can really get creative with these guys. So you can let Diabate rotate between, you know, what, whether he's back at an off ball linebacker or at Buck. Uh, you get Chris Bogle on the field. Uh, Jeremiah Moon, you know, he might not ever wow you with sack numbers or as a complete rusher, but he is a guy that can create pressure. So I understand getting him onto the field as well. You just you've got so many cooks in this kitchen that you know you can really move them around and put them at different stations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we all know that uh, Todd Grantham, he's known for bringing pressure. So to have those many talented and productive pass rushers, man, it's going to be very beneficial uh, for the defensive line. Yeah, absolutely. If there's, you know, with a Todd Grantham defense, he loves to bring the pass rush and he loves versatility. And he's got both of those things in his buck room right now. So I'm sure he can't be happier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, keeping on the defensive line, moving into their interior, um, we all know the talk of uh, T.J. Slayton, man. I mean, this is supposed to be his year. I mean, he's he's coming into his own. He's kind of like he kind of lost his footing a little bit um, due to like you know uh, just overall depth ahead of him. But this is his year, man. So, how much of an impact do you think he can have this year uh, in T.J. Slayton? Well, if he can meet his potential, which we just haven't seen, he can be a game wrecker. I mean, you can't teach 6'5", 360, or, you know, he said that he's down a little bit. But size like that paired with his ability to move, you can't teach. And as long as, you know, it's all put to use and it's all used at 100%, I think he can be a game wrecker. It's just, it's all about 
how much he uses it and how much of his own effort he puts into truly breaking through in a dynamic piece on this defensive line because there's been opportunity for him to do it and he looked solid, uh, especially at points in 2019. We saw those flashes. So now it's time for it to come together consistently when there's a full-time role on the table. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also he has a great partner next to him in Kyrie Campbell which is really the unsung hero of this defensive line, too, man. I think he's a baller, in my opinion, too. So uh, how do you feel about like him in his last go-around with the Gators? See, I think Campbell is a very solid player, and he's a guy you want on your defense. Is he a guy that's going to stand out? Not necessarily. Is he a guy that's going to get himself drafted? Probably not because he's not you know, the most ideal size for a nose tackle. But the dude is smart. The dude understands football. The dude is a great presence uh, for young players, and they all say it, uh, that they have a ton of respect for him and they learn a lot from him. So in a year where there's going to be a ton of flipping on the defensive line, you're losing veterans, you're bringing in so many young guys, there's not many guys out there that you'd rather have leading the group than a guy like Kyrie Campbell. They feed off of his energy, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So moving it up a little bit, linebacker group. Um, We saw how productive the linebacker group was last year on and off. Uh, the uh, the leader, uh, like, you know, the best one in the group overall, in my opinion, just like based off like this IQ and this football, you know, talent. Well, not really talent, but, you know, just overall, like, you know, production was David Reese. He's gone now. So we have Ventro Miller, James Houston, and Tyron uh, Hopper and a few other guys, man. So how do you think that depth, like, you know, finds his way around? Well, so the most important thing about losing David Reese is losing the green dot of the defense. And he's commanded that for the past three years. So you got to think about getting a guy in there that's not only talented, but a guy that, you know, he has a full understanding of the playbook of offenses, of getting guys in the right position and communicating across the entire defense. Uh, that's It's a huge role to fill just beyond a guy that, you know, Reese was a very good run stuffer. He was a dependable guy that could go and, you know, help create a ton of tackles. Uh, you have a lot of guy like him in your college defense, especially. Uh, I understand why he's a bit underrated by the NFL, but from a Florida perspective, he was a great guy to have. Uh, and from a mental, you know, a football IQ perspective, he was top notch. So mm-hmm. Florida, that they do have a lot of responsibility to replace, not just talent there at middle linebacker. Uh, they have options. Ventral Miller and James Houston are both solid high floor options, but they're, in my opinion, a bit similar uh, with Reese. I don't think they're stellar athletes that can do sideline to sideline or ideal third down likes. Um, that's where you're going to want to develop a guy like Derek Wingo, who, you know, has the football IQ. He picked up he picked up how to play defense and move across an entire defense within two years after switching from quarterback. Like it just came naturally to him. Uh, he's got the athleticism to, whether it's penetrate the backfield or drop into coverage, go sideline to sideline. I think Derek Wingo is going to be one of those guys that they try and put on a fast developmental track and get onto the field because I do think he could end up being a really great fit for the Mike position. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, you've got Miller, you've got Houston. Uh, Diabate was brought up as a guy that could honestly compete there. And that's Diabate is incredibly versatile. He played Buck. He played across the defensive line. He played off ball last year. He even played star and even a couple of snaps at wide corner and some uh, different personnel looks. He's just, 
he's such a versatile player and such a high caliber athlete that it's I totally get why he's uh gonna compete there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I like the Darren Wingo thing. I mean, out of all the freshmen to come in, I think he can definitely be a one that starts day one. Um, but how do you feel about Hopper? Like, do you think he can make any run for the starting position at the mic? I mean, I know he probably doesn't have the, the physique to play it, but, like, just his overall talent and his speed, and he can move sideline to sideline. I think, honestly, he'd be a really good fit for money because of his size and let him get outside a bit. Honestly, you can get creative with a guy like him and put him at star mm-hmm. if you'd like to, where he thinks he's a hybrid role. Not that I'd want to start him there, um, but maybe in set packages you move him to star and have him move be- between that and money linebacker, kind of like Amari Bernie last year. Uh, but Bernie, besides when he was injured, his role would get a bit fr- frustrating when he'd get pulled off the field because there were times when he knew his skill set needed to be on there. So I think if you can ideally create a legitimate role for a hybrid star money linebacker, that's where you want to put Tyron Hopper. I got you. I got you. So speaking of star, we're going to switch to the DBs now. Who is going to be competing for star? Because uh, there's a lot of names you already named, like in um, Hopper, uh, possibly uh, Diabate. Um, but we know we have Amari Bernie. Uh, we have Marco Wilson. He can slide inside. Chester Kimbrough, which is my pick, honestly. So how do you think that star position translates? Because we saw last year in trading, it was bad. And then in the previous year, we saw Chauncey Gardner. Yeah. It was great. So who fills that Who fills that uh, star position? I think you actually just honestly listed all the worthwhile candidates for it. And of them, I think the... You know, at least week one, it's most likely to see some combination of Wilson, Birdie, uh, or Kimbrough. Um, Kimbrough, I think, is a very underrated player in this defense and a guy that is going to end up stepping up in a big way. And while I think he does have the size profile to play star, he barely played it at all last year. I was surprised by how little he played it. So they very well might end up wanting to keep him out of field corner with Marco coming in and playing more uh, on the inside. Marco is a guy that will want to play outside. So, you know, they're going to have to figure it out how to create some packages to where Marco can move outside. Um, But at this point, the way he ended his season playing star was clearly Florida's best option. So it makes sense to see in the first lineup of the season, Marco going out there at star and they go from there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I think it should be between, be between Chester and Marco. Um, but we all know that outside corner is locked down by arguably the one of the best DBs in the country and in the SEC behind Stingley, in my opinion, and Kyrie Elam. So who takes over that other side? I mean, we know Marco can move in and out, but can uh, someone like Jaden Hill step up or a freshman incoming like uh, Jahari Rogers that's already on campus? So how do you feel about the other, I mean, the other outside corner position? Honestly, I think that the best fit for it if Wilson's going to be spent to end up being Kimbrough. I think that he's a really fluid and solid field corner. Uh, if not him, honestly, as long as he's healthy and you put on some weight, Ethan Pouncey is as natural as an off-ball corner as you're going to find coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had his injury as a senior, so it's that's going to be something worth keeping an eye on. But if he can... If he's fully recovered from that and can get up to, you know, 175 or something like that before the season starts, 
then, you know, suddenly you're talking about a guy that you've got to get onto the field year one. Because right now, I believe he's in the 150s. Obviously, with his injury, he hasn't been able to really add a ton of weight or anything between uh, over the past year. But as he rehabs and gets closer to playing football, if he can get to full health and add that weight, that dude is he's a natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, he's good. Um, and also, like I said before, like we lost C.J. Henderson. I forgot to bring him up. And that outside is going to be definitely um, uh, need to be addressed because um, with C.J. Henderson out there, man, when he was there, it was like a, you, you didn't have to really have to worry about that position. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the outside turns out. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's 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 incredibly tough to replace a guy like C.J. Henderson. Yeah, yeah, it is, man. And a lot of Gator fans were talking about he needed to come back, but he showed us a few weeks ago why he left and how he's going to be a top fifteen pick. So <laughs> it's going to be great to see. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so rounding it out, man. We already talked about the uh, the safety room, but um, I think. Uh, with the safety room, I think it could be a competition, but we already know who the starters can be. Um, but how do you feel about Donovan Steiner? I mean, a lot of Gator fans are saying that he's kind of he's very hit or miss, but he's also at times our most productive safety. How can he solidify himself as being like, okay, you're the day one starter, along with Sean Davis or um, uh, Brad Stewart? But you know, how can Donovan Steiner be consistent? Well, I think it's exactly that. Is you know he comes in, he's so up and down. One week he comes in and he'll miss a couple of tackles and blow a coverage, and everyone will say, "What are you doing?" The next week he'll have a game, you know, like he did against Auburn, where he has clutch pick, um, among other things. Uh, and towards the end of the season, he started to play a lot more consistently. Uh, you could tell he wasn't in his head as much, and he was just playing good football. Yeah, if he can can care, uh, continue that momentum from the way he ended his season, uh, put it towards spring camp, I do think he ends up being one of the favorites to start with Sean Davis at that point. Although it's still just in general is a rocky room. Um, it's one of those where I do think you know there is going to be room for freshmen to at least get playing time during a red shirt to compete for reps. Yeah, for sure. Do you think um, it'll be a lot of like substituting like it was last year? I know a lot of people are not a fan of Ryan English. Is like you know whoever controls that whole substitution thing. Do you think it'll be the case this year? I have a feeling so, just because there hasn't been a ton of turnover to that room, uh, and especially with a guy like Torrance, who I do think is ready to play year one. Uh, a guy like Trey Dean moving back there, and you want to see what you have. Uh, at least early on, I have a feeling we can see that rotation. But if it gets to the point where they've got two solidified guys, and maybe it's Dean and Davis, or maybe Steiner comes out and has the best camp of his life and he solidifies it. But once they know that they've got two real starting caliber safeties, I think it'll become a little less maddening when they do the rotation. Uh, I still assume they do it like they do at receiver, but I think it'll start to be timed a little bit better uh, happen a little bit less uh, just to keep their studs on the field. I got you. I got you. Um, overall, uh, like I said, uh, with the spring ball, we don't know if it's going to happen or not, but at the end of the day, can you see any transfers? Uh, from, like, can anybody be leaving this program? 
time. You know, especially with the virus and everything going on, it makes this incredibly cloudy to predict at this point. But it it is college football. And in the day of transfers becoming so popular, I guess you can never say you'd be surprised me. But we'll see. I mean, I'm a little surprised that only one guy declared early for the NFL draft. So it looks like Mullen knows a thing or two about keeping guys, you know, in the program. We'll see if that ends up holding true. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, just real quick, man. I know. Do you do you kind of follow Gator base basketball, or are you try to stay away from that? I I follow it uh, just to at least get a decent amount of coverage out on our site. Uh, I'm more of a football guy myself, but you know I've got a decent bit of studying and learning about this Gator team as well. Uh, guys, I'm not gonna ask you anything too crazy, man. But with this whole March Madness canceling. What was up with this Gator team this year, man? Just from your opinion, what, how we weren't, why weren't we, why didn't we live up to the hype? What was wrong with Mike White? Like, what's the real problem here? I think it's a, a combination of problems. You know, I don't think White's innocent. I don't think it, any player is innocent. I think that this team, for the most part, didn't learn from its mistakes. Uh, it treated every game like its own game. Um, which is fine. It's a good mindset to not overlook anyone. But, you know, one of my writers for the site, Graham Marsh, put it perfectly. Uh, you know, Mike White in November was coaching about November. Uh, the really great coaches, you know, in November they're coaching about March. But playing their freshmen early to, you know, get those bumps out. You know, let Scotty Lewis make those mistakes against the Lynn College in November compared to letting him make those mistakes against, you know, whoever they're facing in March, in, in February and March, like Kentucky and teams like that. Same thing with Trey Mann, although, you know, there were struggles there throughout the season. We really, you know, you did want to see more out of him, but mm-hmm. you let those guys miss those shots and miss those opportunities early in the year to get it out of their systems and grow from it. And I think that that was one of the issues uh, on top of, yeah, it's just inconsistencies. It was, it, it, it's almost hard to read and almost hard to explain because each game felt like an enigma. Like one game, it was utter dominance. And the next week it was, what did I just watch? Or next game for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, coming out and scoring 17 points at the half of Tennessee. And then in games like Georgia, like you're down 20 and you somehow put together masterful offense to come back. No, yeah. Alabama and pull off a double overtime comeback. Like it was so hard to read. It was so hard to exactly pin one person. And that's why I think from top to bottom, I think the blame can just be shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you think they could have made a deep run in the, uh, in the, uh, the tournament? I think they were one of, like, Florida had the capability of being one of the most talented teams in America from start to finish. But those inconsistencies made it so hard to predict. So, if Florida played sound basketball every game in the March Madness tournament, then absolutely, I think they, they had the talent, more than enough talent to make a run in this thing. But you just could not trust them to be able to put that all together for more than, honestly, one game at a time. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm gonna circle it back to football real quick, man. Then I'm gonna get you off. Um, what is a player? Who's a player we got to keep our eye on? It can be freshmen. Kind of just try to try to pick someone not you that you didn't name. 
already like a Wingo or like a Torrance or anybody that we already named on offense, I mean, on, on the team. But who's someone overall we can keep an eye on offensively and defensively? Uh, incoming freshmen or just in general? Just in general, anybody. It can be incoming freshmen. It can be already on the team. A transfer, it doesn't matter. Just go. Just, just name name two for me. Off One on offense, one on defense. Uh, you're, uh, interesting. Um, I'll try and go with different types of guys for each one. Uh, on offense, I'll go with Josh McBride. Mm-hmm. Incredibly intelligent player, a versatile player that's played four different positions on the offensive line. Uh, he could go tackle or guard. Uh, once things get really good, they could go in at both. Uh, he's the type to come in as a freshman and challenge for jobs just because he's so there mentally. And that's why I like Torrance is about the metal game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's so important when you see that coming out of a high school freshman or a high school senior. It's just the metal side of the game. They're so aware of what they're doing that it's natural to them. Uh, so Braun, offensively for sure. On defense, uh, this one's going to be a little more difficult. Uh, Chris Vogel. Mm. Uh, I, I like what I saw. I think he's punchy. Um you know, he's a player that reminds me of Jeremiah Moog, in all honesty, in terms of just being a lanky, uh, yet explosive athlete uh, coming off the edge. Uh, the most important thing for him from year one to year two will be, you know, like it's been important for Moon, is to really sharpen his angles towards the quarterback, really get his discipline and technique down to consistently win with a good pad level. And Moon has not, you know, he's improved year by year, but he hasn't reached his potential because he hasn't truly mastered anything that he's needed to start, you know, mastering and, you know, producing better at. And if Chris Bogle can do what Jeremiah Moon hasn't been able to do during his developmental plan, I think he can become an incredibly dangerous pass rusher. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, we already, we saw how he was in high school. He was a high four-star, almost a five-star athlete out of um, down in Miami. So he's definitely, he definitely can wreak some havoc, man. Yeah, I mean, that the, his burst off the ball uh, paired with his legs. You know, you want to see him get wider and more muscular. But, you know, those two things, like I said earlier, there's some things in football that you can't teach. So if you can get those things and you can put them together with a teachable player, uh, you know, teach him the mental side, teach him the technique, uh, and get him more muscular, then, you know, you're talking about a guy that you can make in a lab. Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, before I get uh, let you go, man, go ahead and uh, tell the listeners where they can find your work at, man. Well, you guys can find me in my uh, work that doesn't sound incredibly congested over at uh, <laughs> allgators.com. Uh, another way to find it is si.com slash college slash Florida. And follow me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. Uh, I'm trying to bring all the uh, Gators uh takes that you can handle on top of that uh, i'm a jags and nfl draft fan so i'm tweeting about that tweeting about hip-hop every now and then but i'm still a bit new to gators twitter uh i joined the beat just over a year ago or just under a year ago um so you know i'm still familiarizing myself with everybody i'm trying to just put out the best content for gators fans to find uh as i know they'll be looking for it especially in a time like right now so make sure to go check it out yeah, most definitely. Oh, yeah, I forgot you're a Jaguar uh, rider for, uh, for SI. Real quick, one last <laughs> question. My bad. One one last question. Where do we go with the ninth and 20th pick? Because I'm a, I'm a Jaguar diehard, too. So where, where, do you, where do we go with those two picks, man? Uh, 
I think with one of those picks, you've got to solidify the trenches, uh, whether it's offensive or defensive line. Just find the best value at the best pick and go from up from there. If it's taking a guy like Becky Becton or Andrew Thomas at nine, so be it, and you're changing your offensive line. Uh, if it's a guy like Javon Kinlaw somehow, some way fell to 20 or Derek Brown fell to 20, then same thing. You know, you've got to go in the trenches there. At the same there's going to be, especially with the short throws in the receiver class, if receivers get pushed into the top 20, guys are going to fall to that second pick for Jacksonville. And as valuable as the ninth pick is, I think that 20th pick can be even more valuable from a, you know, just guys falling down the board, possible trade-out spot. I, I think that that's going to be a very valuable pick come draft night. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Well, I appreciate you for coming on the show, Zach, man. It was a great time. I definitely got to get you back on, man. Um, be safe with this virus out here, man. I know you sound a little congested, but just stay sanitized <laughs> and self-quarantine yourself if you need to, man. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm going to probably be doing that, not because of having anything, but just so people don't get scared when they see me... Uh, blowing my nose too much in public from these allergies, man. <laughs> yeah, Pollen man. season and coronavirus season came at the worst time. Yeah, bro, that pollen is, that that's that's the worst, worst than the corona, <laughs> man. That thing can really take you out. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Oh, man. All right, man. <sighs> Thanks for coming on, man. You have a good night. Thanks, man. You too. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. That was Zach Goodall from SI Gators. Um, that was a great a great episode. We talked about uh, a lot of things, spring preview, spring previewing, and also a junior day recap. Hopefully, we do have a uh, spring football man. I mean, I know I, I, he talked about like a uh, school up in the like you know I think the Big Ten or somewhere up up in the Midwest area that they've already canceled their spring you know practices and games. So the SEC, we all know, is all about like, you know just being the SEC. You know how the SEC runs if you're a uh, SEC fan on the show. So, yeah, man, I mean, like, hopefully have a spring ball. Like you said, it starts this Monday coming up. I know they've already canceled class for Florida right now, so we'll see. Definitely going to um, stay up to date on it. Uh, I'm going to drop a podcast probably next week. I'm just giving it a little break because um, there's not really much to talk about um, with this whole, like, you know, virus going on, man. But for the listeners out there, man, stay sanitized. Like I told Zach, um, just be aware. Just chill, man. Nothing to get crazy or scared about man um but if you are feeling sick man stay home don't go out i mean you should really be going out for sick anyways but if you have if you can if you can stay home stay home wash your hands cover your nose when you cough and sneeze and that's it man um like i said i appreciate you guys for listening i thank zach for getting on the show um and also before i leave like i said i already talked about it i don't know i didn't talk about it yet um i have uh, my own podcast dropping uh, March 30th. Uh, I'm, become, I'm coming, covering a, a broader landscape on NFL, college football, NBA. I'm doing NBA talk. I'm a big NBA fan, so I'm definitely going to talk a lot of NBA ball in there. And also um, college basketball. Maybe not with this whole March Madness thing getting canceled, so I might lay off of that. But um, I'm definitely going to cover those, uh, what are I name, those 
three major sports and also i'm gonna plug in a little entertainment here and there um music just like you know more free-flowing i know a lot of our tc3 listeners are more in tune to canes gators and Knowles, so and also the jaguars but i definitely uh i definitely want to keep it that way i'm not going to try to ruin what the tc3 podcast and aaron and tony and myself that we already created but i'm gonna branch off it's called chill takes you can follow it on twitter chill takes underscore that's c-h-i-l-l t-a-k-e-s underscore i'm not on instagram yet but follow me on there uh, I want some of our uh, TC3 listeners uh, join me on that uh, portion as well. I love podcasting. I want to create another network, I mean, another state uh, show, station, whatever. And yeah, man. So I thank Tony and Aaron for like you know uh, respecting in the decision. Uh, I'm gonna come on the TC3 podcast uh, whenever I can. Like you know, I'm always free to talk about my boys. But yeah, man. So I'm, I'm gonna start a new thing, March 30th. So. I'm gonna uh, post it. I'm gonna like you know plug it in every week. I'm gonna drop a little intro podcast probably the week before I actually post like the actual episode, giving like a brief summary of what I'm gonna cover and like what to look forward to. But yeah, man. So like I said, thanks for listening. Stay safe out here. Cover your mouth. Cover your nose. Wash your hands. Yeah, man. That's a wrap.